Probably. There's nothing worse than a movie trying to write a quote-unquote witty character. You know what I mean? Like, either Like Friends? Like every character on Friends? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or, like, I'm sorry, this might be controversial, but, like, uh, How I Met Your Mother, mm. where, where mm. like, it just the things that you say, pain. pain. It's just not that funny. And Neil Patrick Harris, by the way, phenomenal actor. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. That we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Master Crack, and he's Grant Hirschberger. And oh my God, is it good to see you again, Grant? It's been what three weeks since we last recorded? Oh man, I missed. I mean, you. we did technically get fitted for suits. At we one got point. fitted for suits for my wedding, yeah. and last week we did try. So we talked to each other on the phone at that point. Uh, and that we never were able to get any of it to work. So I guess it does I was less like, time than that. Yeah, I was laying on my bed with my uh, feet in the air crossed, you know, twirling my hair like a, a school child. <laughs> At a sleepover? Is that, is that mental image tracking? I feel yeah. like it made more sense in my head. No, it's, uh, uh, I feel you. I actually pictured more like New Girl when Winston's really good at talking on the phone and he like has this whole setup. Are you a New Girl fan? I, I am, yes. Okay, well, do you know I'm talking I have been compared to Schmidt on many occasions, yeah. Wow, I was going to say not Schmidt, but that's good for you, man. I mean, maybe I was more douchey as a college uh, kid, because that, well, that was the cross, I heard about. so... I want to fight that, but <laughs> I... there's only so many Aidens, Bradens, Cadens, and Zaydens uh, in this world, and they're all on, on every team in Minnesota. So. Listen... Every sport comes with its own stereotypes, and we have no choice but to accept those as reality. That's fair. That's fair. What's the soccer stereotype? Actually, well, no. it depends oh, on depends on when you grew up. I mean, I grew True. up being called a field fairy my whole life, which is now, you know, dramatically inappropriate. But you still hear it from time to time. Yeah, you did. It's almost funny. I think one of the the best like capturing of the changing of the times, so to speak, is the the newer edition of 21 jump street where like you know channing tatum's character goes to to high school to try to find this drug lo drug lord or whatever and he uh i don't know starts like bullying a kid for being effeminate and everyone just is like you can't do that like yeah. what like <laughs> right and, you know what i mean like yeah it's just like the stuff that was like very 90s movies or like early 2000s i got called a field fairy all the time and it, the other one i got called metro a lot metrosexual oh. which like what does that even mean like yeah i'm sure they didn't know they just thought it was hurtful it didn't really hurt my feelings when i was in high school you know how when you know like when when they do like a wall and obviously when yep. you kick the ball the players kind of like squirm because they don't want to get hit in the face of the ball someone Alex on the football loves team, getting hit in the face someone on the football team put a picture of that up and then like a picture of like a stripper so it looked like they were like shying away from this like female woman and Everyone left it up. All the teachers left it up because the football coaches didn't care because they agreed with it. They thought it was funny. And that was in high school in like 2008. Here's another one. We're going down this rabbit hole. The the one that my uh, classmates always talk about that like I can't believe this was allowed was high school superlatives. 
you know, there'd be like best dressed. I won that. Oh, those there's like are most likely to succeed. Bad. We've there talked about this one, before. Yep. Yep. I think you already know where I'm going with this, but there was two that were really, really like in hindsight, not good. The first was best from behind, mm-hmm. which literally we was just that. the students voting. So yeah, more than one school had yep. best from behind. Like there's no, there's whatever. And then the other one we had was um, most likely to get out of a speeding ticket, which came with two different implications. For the males, it was you were a smooth talker. And almost exclusively for the females, it was um, more buxom candidates, Mm. as I would say. Mm -hmm. Which, like, that got just allowed every year. Yeah. And now you look back like, um... It's weird. Some things, even in the moment, I could tell were messed up. Like that thing where, like, all the football coaches left it up because they thought it was funny. Like, you should be an adult here and take this down for for several reasons. Uh, and then some things now looking back. Were you one of the what, Were you one of the people in the picture? No, it was like a. I'm sure it was like a Premier League team or something that whatever they found on Google Image Search. Oh, okay. In 2018. No. <laughs> this uh, was the source of Alex's high school bullying. But it was like on the whiteboard that they used like during basketball games. It wasn't like in like someone's locker. It was like on the whiteboard inside the gym, inside the men's locker room. Which like if you really want to go full like Sigmund Freud, uh, maybe this isn't Freudian, but like that almost feels like the football player who made that is like secretly nervous of his own sexual. You know, absolutely. They all are. That's the whole thing. You know, whatever. Anyways, field fairy. Who cares? Whatever. Terrible. Terrible thing to say. Uh, anyways, here we are. Okay, when was the last yeah. time we talked? We haven't talked since... We didn't talk after Vancouver. That's for Vancouver. sure. And we didn't talk after Colorado. True. So, and then obviously we haven't talked after St. Louis. I don't think we have time to go into all the deets. But, first off, we got our first ever result... In Colorado, not only was it a result, but it was a win. Uh, huge game for us at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. You got some like creepy child no, it's my... alarm. <laughs> what, is this a it was speaking, movie? That what was because we were talking about Colorado. It was Jack Price just like crawling He's out of dumb. the attics, like. <laughs> yeah, but we we can't like you know. I think. He's he's injured, so. Uh, that's true. I actually already forgot about that. That was super sad to see. Which, by the way. I want to throw this out there, as many listeners know, I formally, I don't know if it's formally, but I ruptured my Achilles, uh, and that is what Jack Price did. He ruptured his Achilles. I knew it right away. The way that he went down, and the it was exactly like the bend of the leg and all the thing, it's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. it. And he tried to get up, and that was the same thing for me. Like, when you rupture your Achilles, first of all, you hear it, which is the most messed mm-hmm. up part. Like, it's loud. Um think like the world's largest rubber band snapping and then um it is like one second of super intense pain and then it goes away it's like immediately like not painful and you're kind of like oh i think i'm all right and then you try to get up and you're like no i'm not all right and that's exactly what jack price did so um prayers up for jack price that sucks and i hope he recovers quickly especially because I mean, he was just coming back from, I think it was like ACL injury something or something like that. like that. Yeah, he had some injury history, and he's, yeah. I mean, he's someone you like to, like, make fun of and talk about how much you hate playing him, but, like, at the end of the day, like, you aren't the best player. He's a person. Field, and, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. He, he's a person um yeah we went to to colorado and got a result which is cool mm-hmm. you know the thing that like mls forces some of these rivalries that are so dumb and i don't even know who colorado's rivalry is supposed to be do you know who colorado's rivalry is supposed to be hmm no i don't but like if you look at any of the past games of us versus colorado i i honestly mean it 90 percent of them are like top-notch entertainment yeah they're super chippy there's usually two to three goals involved um i mean they're just like gritty very controversial games with like at least five to six yellow cards sometimes a red actually very frequently there's a red i feel like Mm -hmm. that i think somebody was saying i think there was like more reds than not in our games against colorado i might be making that up in more games than not there is a red card yeah i would almost believe that yep yep it's a it is it's are you looking no, I'm still trying to find. Oh. So I looked up. So rivalry, rivalry week, which is a word I have a hard time saying, is May 13th through 20th. Mm-hmm. And this year, I was going to look up who Colorado plays on May 13th and see if I can figure out who their rival may be. Uh, mm, they play smart. Philadelphia on the 13th. So I don't think that would be them. Um, and then the next weekend they play Atlanta. So maybe they just honestly, they don't have one. I mean, I can't think of anyone that's around them that they would be Ramos with. That is very interesting. It it should be us. Honestly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like if you're not just like looking for narratives, like they are a team that we have always had like heated games with a lot of times. We like genuinely hate them. Very similar. Um, like good good games back and forth. We've won one some. We've won some. They've won some. There's always yeah like cards and things happening. Um, but now lately they've not been very good, and I think we've we've kind of started to surpass them. Except for when we play in Colorado, because that's a very hard place to play. Which is interesting. It must be the altitude because it's not yeah. the fans. I mean, <laughs> there's only Jesus. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Which, by the way, one of our good friends and designers of our Dummy Run logo, uh, Jordan Collins, is a, I think I think he is a staff photographer now for the Rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, super good dude, goes to all the games. Um, no disrespect to Colorado. I've always thought they had cool jerseys and, and colors, but uh, kind of depressing to see only 12,000 fans in attendance. Yeah. I mean, they're I mean... a solid team. You'd think they'd get more fans. Yeah, I mean, not really. They're not. They're not that good of a team right now. They're t- they're well, last in the league. They don't have any wins. Well, okay, but well, <laughs> when you're th- when you're when you're three games in, at that point, you know, all hope hasn't lost yet. You know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I yeah, it's them and San Jose are two that that kind of are always at the very bottom, and I think it's interesting as to why. I guess I can understand San Jose a bit more because just because there's so much else to do in san jose um but still i don't know well so we um we got through colorado and and i'm sure i had more specific thoughts than that but uh you know we'll just keep this thing moving here unless you had more to say about colorado no 
No, I mean, I, again, I don't think we need to go all the way back. I'm honestly trying to think when the last time because we didn't. Do did we even talk about the the snow game with the Red Bulls? I feel like we did. I don't think we did because I'm looking at my notes. I don't think we did because I had that we had 48 percent passing completion. There was a lot of talk about whether or not the field should have been plowed more, plowed more or more often. Um, and I think all that was from that game. But honestly, it doesn't matter at this point. Let's just move forward. Um, something else that I have in my I notes. do have a, I do have one uh, field question. Okay. Okay. And this, if we have any um, sporting uh, field professionals that listen. I genuinely want to know because I'm I'm sure there's a reason this doesn't happen. But couldn't you just place like five to six large? I'm talking, you know, portion it out the whole field, like large tarps over the field as it snows, and then like right before warm ups or whatever, then you slide them off the field. There was something. There was something that happened, right? Do you see what I'm saying, though? Right? Wouldn't it, that kind of make sense? Because the the our grounds crew is very good, and no, I know, also, I know. So there was something, and we also have heating coils under the field, which I don't know if they just couldn't keep up with it, um, or what. But yeah, they the it caught them off guard, or they thought the heating coils would be able to keep up, or the heating coils stopped working, or something happened because. The whole they thing had felt one very guy strange. that was supposed to be like the snow catcher, and he was just catching one flake at a time, but he couldn't yeah. keep up. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, shoot! One got past me. I'm getting over on over here. It was. We haven't talked since. Hey, that John, game. you missed a spot. I'm doing yeah. it as best as I can. So the last episode we published was March seventh. We played Red Bulls at home on March eleventh, and then we played Colorado on March eighteenth, and we just got done playing Vancouver March twenty fifth. So we have not talked since Dallas. And, yeah, the, the Red Bulls thing was weird. I don't know what to make of the field. It felt kind of odd. And odd. very stubborn, very stubborn decision for the broadcast to wear the home whites yeah. uh, in the snow. Yeah. That was awful for the first half. And I just, I get it, right? You want to display them at the home opener, but that felt so bullheaded stubborn for, you know, I think... Apple TV has done well. I think the league typically chooses the matchup uh, of of jerseys pretty well, except uh, was it Dallas? That was the first game of the season we had, we had to mix and match. Yeah, that was, yeah, that that was, was weird too. So those two were bad. But ever since then, it's like, for the love of God, right? Just make it easy on the people watching from home. Anyways, so that was New York Red Bulls. Got a tie there probably a good tie honestly i think that we had more chances kind of uh ruined by the snow than the rebels did which at the time i thought was interesting but now the rebels have actually been struggling so that's probably less interesting then we go to colorado a place we've never won and we get two goals our first or only two goal game of the season um one was from a penalty kick and one was from a set piece uh so we still only have one open goal open up goal from open play um, although the set piece goal uh by yep. mickey was pretty so, i mean yeah. i know it's not an open play but like yeah i love me a good well-directed header yeah i mean and not only just a well-directed header but like it was very much felt like a play where like franco basically like shot it right at uh mickey's head and then mickey always had the plan of kind of like scooping it out it wasn't like a cross that someone got their head on like that was very much 
a plan. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we had, had actually had two open open because the first game of the year, Mendo Garcia scored on that yeah. follow up, and then Red Bull's game was the goal from uh, Bongi, which was mm-hmm. also open play. And then Amaria has had two penalty kicks, and we've had. Two... Well, no, Bongi. The Bongi was a cross. Yeah, but here, the Bongi was a corner uh, kick. Sorry. So there you go. So only one open play, and realistically, we've had zero goals that were scored off the initial shot. Mm-hmm. Because the Vancouver goal was a cross. Yeah, but Mendo Garcia from a from not not a corner kick across, and he headed it in. Okay. That was a really nice goal. Oh, but yeah. Mm, so two goals okay. from open play. Only one yeah, of right. them came off the initial ball. If you want to, like, off like the initial shot. If you the wanna, initial if shot. You wanna, yep. like, be specific. Not a cleanup goal. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to be. This is not the ultra negative podcast, but like, we'll talk about it later. It is something that you hope would be remedied soon. There's a lot of positives to focus on, but. That's one where it's like, boy, we're not, you know, dumping goals in the net. Yeah. So let's let's talk about it, right? I don't. I think we're kind of getting too in the weeds about old games here, right? I mean, call, well, yeah. do you want to talk about Vancouver in the extra time? <laughs> I mean, well, okay. So yeah, whatever. Let's let's maybe just finish out the run. So yeah, that was Colorado, and their goal was not very good. It was very strange. I mean, I think it, I don't know. Like it was weird that like Dane St. Clair didn't get to it. I think it was just literally like. It bounced off the post and went in like it was a perfect shot. Kind of a weird goal. Um, mm-hmm. I think we looked like the better team the whole time. Then the Vancouver game happens. Um, obviously, we we scored early in that one off the Mendo Garcia header off of an assist from Valentin, I want to say. That yes. sounds right. That was a good goal. That was probably our best goal of the year. Uh, and then stoppage time goal. What do you think about the stoppage time goal? 98th minute after six and a half minutes were announced of stoppage. The ref said after the game that there was six minutes and 30 seconds of stoppage, stoppage time. And I think that's the only time I've ever heard like a, a, a second been added to what they're considering stoppage time. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that just because I, I don't know or care to know that much the the extra time intricacies and like that does sound silly and, and kind of off to me that it would be six minutes and 30. Cause why wouldn't you just say six minutes? Cause then it's a minimum of six minutes added time and you go to 30 or I don't know, whatever. Um, the only criticism I have, because realistically I fall in the play to the whistle, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mikel Marquise should not have been oh juggling God, it in the middle. Brutal. Like that to me, that's where they scored, regardless of the time. My so my only frustration about that is like I don't think there's anything in the second half that warranted six minutes of extra time. Yeah. Like I don't I don't care about the time added on additionally over the six minutes because we were time wasting. We deserved it. I get it. That I mean we for sure we got a yellow because we were time wasting. But like, where was the six minutes coming from when not that much had happened Hmm. really strange yeah yeah that one i think the initial six minutes was harder for me than it going to the 68th minute or whatever or the 98th minute Mm -hmm. um 
Weird quick though, step back. How do you that was the that was the game during international call-ups. We are missing seven players plus a lose yeah. two player. Um what do you think of that? Did you were you upset that we were playing during the window? Do you think you get it? Where you, where do you stand on on playing during the international window? I think it's fine. I think it's a, a great opportunity um to see a little bit of rotation, mm-hmm. a little forced rotation. And it's early in the season. It's, you know, you're not typically struggling with a ton of injuries and you're down a bunch of guys. So it's like you let some of the young guys play. If you lose three points, you lose three points. And it's early. Um, yeah. Pe- people got very passionate about it. I don't get that passionate about it. We are, I think, fortunate to have so many people good enough to be on international squads. Right. So. And we don't play during every international break. I said international window earlier. That's not right. International break. We only play through some of them. And so you have to, if you have to play in one, I think you probably pick this one. And yeah, I mean, to your point, it was almost an excuse to say like, well, we're probably not going to win this one. And it's a reason to get the young guys in there. But I think as the game went on, you saw with every sub, the wheels kind of started to come off a little bit more, right? By the end, you know, again, Marquez going in. And I don't know what... He must have just thought at any minute the whistle was going to go. Like, he he was just going to kind of boot it up in the air and that was going to be it, right? But it was I think that's brutal. what that was. Yeah, it... I mean, he's a, he's a younger player. Was he 20, 21? I think so, like yeah. That. He is not an under-22 initiative, which we learned. Um, but he is under-22. He is under-22, but he's not an under-22 initiative player, which a lot of people were really worked up when we signed him because they didn't think he was important enough to be a u22 initiative player um and he's not and so then everyone tweeted out about how sorry they were for their takes and they said you know what i was wrong first for being so worked up about that i realized that i was wrong i should have waited to have the facts and i apologize for the way that i spoke earlier um it's no, nice no that one we have... said that they all just moved on with their life because like that's what everyone does moved on to the next thing to be angry yes. about that yeah. they misunderstood um yeah, no, it, it, that is that is nice that we have such a level-headed uh, group of people squawking. Um, Not everyone can be like you and I, Grant. We're one I of know. A kind. Now, here's what I'll say, right? Yeah. I, too, was once an under-22 person. And, um, <laughs> as I can a former see, U-22 as human. A, as a <laughs> former U-22 drafted human, um, I don't agree with, but I totally get the youthful thinking of, like, okay, he said six minutes, it's seven minutes and one second, it's done, let's, fun little thing at the end, and it's over, and the clock's still ticking because we've been time-wasting, and you've got this ref who is very, he's, I mean, call him a Swiss watchmaker because he's all about his time, and, oh, Mm. looks like you didn't, no, 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 we cut that one. one. That's right. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you know, he he didn't think. And that's a youth player, and hopefully he gets a hard lesson learned there rather than in, say, the playoffs or whatever. But, yeah, in the end, whatever the time thing is, it's dumb. I don't agree with it. But we lost because you have to play to the whistle. The end. Yep. That's the that, call. Nothing else really matters at the day. You have to play to the end of the game, especially when you're going to play the type of game that we have been playing. You have to keep playing. Uh, yeah, Vancouver, it's just gritty. Talk about being in, in um, Colorado. Vancouver had never won in Minnesota. 
they were o two and three um mm. in their time in Minnesota and had only scored two goals, I think. And most and both those came in 2017. I wrote this down again long ago, and it made more sense to me at that point. Um, but they have not done well here, so that was actually Alex. Off good the top of your head, mm-hmm. can you name a Vancouver player who scored off scored on us? I would have to imagine that Blackman scored on us at some point, and Dahomey would definitely have scored on us at some point. And also Davies, Alfonso Davies. Oh, Jesus. I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sense. the generational talent. Uh, I remember it just because that was the that was the moment. I'd never heard of him before that game, truthfully. And it was the one where he, like, dribbled it through eight of our players. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. This guy's really good. And then he was, like, over at Bayern, like, the next yeah. year. Yeah. It was, like, one or two years after that. But, yeah. Yeah. I remember Alfonso watching Davies. him just torch us and be like, oh, my God. This guy is so much better. Um, other things before we move on to this most recent week, uh, Dotson has been obviously getting back in more and more, um, at, before the Vancouver game, he was in an interview. He said he was not quite match fit yet. And he also said that he would like to be the eight. He said, I want to be a box to box midfielder. What have you been, what have your thoughts been on Dotson? Where do you think he did? I'm going to ask you three questions. What have been your thoughts on Dotson? Where do you think he belongs? And how long can Trap hold him off? Uh, I like Dotson. He belongs in our heart. And oh my god! Tra- you know, okay. Why um, did I do this with you? Yeah, that was the worst one. So um, I thought Dotson really looked. Was it the Red Bull or Colorado game where he came, made his first appearance back for us? I think he came in the Red Bull game. No, he okay. came in the first game of the year. Okay. He came in so either one, his 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 first appearance, I was like, wow, like it's nice to see him back. He looked a little rusty, looked a little tentative. I think it was his second game back then, so it would have been the Red Bull game. Yeah. Where he had some really nice dribbles, looked very he ball looked dangerous. Unbelievable in the Red Bull game, yeah. Yeah. And like was was dribbling and no one could take the ball from him. And like super awesome to see, right? Dotson's mm-hmm. ceiling is still sky high, and if we can stick him at a spot consistently, I love it. I think he is more of an eight. I I know a while ago people had talked about him being like a six. I don't see him as a six because he wants to get forward for sure, mm-hmm. and I think he's too good at getting forward. You don't want that as a defensive midfielder. Um, so I love him as an eight. I think in a pinch he can kind of be a ten, but I also still don't. I would only see him as a 10 if, like, we were trying to close out a game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You put him in that 10 spot, but he's really, he's goal dangerous, but, like, he's mostly trying to press. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him as the 8. And then what was your last question? I forgot. How So, with that, how long can he hold off? How long can Trap hold him off? Because I don't think, think Ariaga's losing a spot, right? I think we can both agree on that. Oh, man. So, I think it's how long do you keep putting Trap in instead of Dotson? Well, the question is... Right now, can Ariaga be a six? That's I, other, I mean, that's the other thing too. Is do do, do Dotson and Tra- can 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 Dotson and Ariaga be on the field together? Only if Dotson's a ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think Dotson's a better ten than Ariaga would be. And but you don't think Ariaga can be a six? I think he could. I don't think we play him like that. I think I think Ariaga could be a six, but he 
he's honestly kind of like a Gregus where he wants to still get forward. You know he what does, I mean? Like yeah. I think I think Trap for all of the reasons, you know, I mean, people get frustrated with him for different reasons, but I think he's very disciplined. Mm-hmm. You know, and for all that he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where, right? But he he doesn't get out of place too far forward. The reason he can be everywhere is because he sits in a really nice spot and he knows his spacing. And so I don't think either Ariaga or Dotson, especially because they're both young, I don't think either of them have that discipline yet. I think they both really want to get forward. And that's okay. It's fine, especially since Dotson's not fit yet. You know, why force him to play a whole game? So Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think let's you answer the three questions. Yeah, I I mean I think the yeah. The the last question is really <laughs> the only one that matters, right? Like we obviously all love Dotson and I think we all talked about how we think he's the eight. Uh so I, I I just think I they're my two favorite kind of defensive midfielders. While I've I think I'm on record several times talking about how Trap is someone who you don't ever notice him because he just does all the small things right. And when he's gone, all of a sudden you're like, Why isn't you know, why is there that big gap there? And it's like, Oh, because Dotson and Roy got on the field and they both got caught wherever they are and now here we go. There was a play in probably the Vancouver match, um, where Ariaga lost the ball like at the at the like our at like our offensive corner flag. He like lost the ball and fell over, and they countered, and he was like behind the play the whole time, obviously, and they almost scored off it. If Dahomey had had a better shot, like he really should have finished that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that stuff's like Trap's never gonna do that. And maybe again, maybe that's because Ar- Ariaga is playing more the eight role, and he was in the place to do that. But still, like there are concerns with Dotson and Ariaga being on the field together for that exact reason. But it's just every time Dotson goes out there, he's like, man, how long can we afford to not have this guy playing 90 minutes? Because he is not only very technically gifted and smart, he also just has, like, effort in him. There was a play in the Red Bulls game. He just, like, bodied some dude off the ball in just outside their 18, ended up having a through ball to Amaria or someone that he really should have finished. Like, he just worked harder to get it. So I don't know what the answer is. And this year, I think, is the year I felt the most where – there are a lot of players where it's like, I don't know how we get all of them on the field at the same time. Yeah, which is a good problem to have. We have a lot of it's, games. It's true. Yeah, I think that, you know, we've talked about this a lot, that I think we're just not used to having that problem, and it's not really a problem, right? It's good It's good to have people. You shouldn't You shouldn't be looking at your bench in the 60th minute being like, shit, who can we put on? Uh, so it is a good, It's it's more normal than a good problem to have, honestly, I would say. And speaking of plenty of solid, you know, depth pieces, and I wouldn't even say depth piece, but another piece to add to the puzzle is, you know, it's fair to say that Fragapane and, you know, Bongi have their spots pretty solidified, except what happens when Sangbin Jong comes? Yeah. You know, he was in the practice today. Yep. Is he a striker? Is he a winger? I mean, yep. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, so I want to ask, I think that's a, something we should spend a good amount of time talking about. Um, before we do, I want to ask about... Um, let's start up top, though. So, Mender... My what? 
My hair. Let's start up oh, top. Yeah, let's start with your hair. Uh, okay. Mender versus... I got... It, no, here we go. So I had my hair cut by a new person because my normal hairstylist was um, out out of out of the office out of the out of the salon wow and uh this Plot new twist. person bless her heart she she tried and she's clearly talented but she did not get what i was saying and so she just screwed me up man and i do not feel good about it i don't like what happened and uh you know as a guy your hair's so short yes it grows back but like when it looks not ideal it's just painful well you know, i shaved you, my head three years ago now so i can't relate with you anymore but i do remember those days uh actually no i i don't even remember those because i never had hair that was like ever a certain way so you're on your own bud and i don't feel bad for you well that's fair i deserve that can i continue with the podcast now or do you have anything else you want? well you know and the product she used was honestly <laughs> Okay, all right, let's go. So Mender and Amaria have both been starting a lot recently. Uh, Mender has pretty consistently been coming off first. Where are you at with those two and who you see having the edge uh, or either going forward currently, whatever you want, however you want to answer that? Yeah, I think so Mender, and I don't know if this is through instruction or through their own mentality as players. I think Mender's game is a little more straightforward and i don't mean that as like a negative he is a player who has been using space very well he's been rebounding um or, or chasing down good opportunities he's really and also been just very his... literally just like i'm going straight forward <laughs> yeah and and that's okay like i'm yeah i want to make it super clear that that's not some condescending like oh i wish he was a blah 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 type player like you can win a ton of games and score a lot of goals with a uh, end-to-end play-off-the-shoulder striker who just runs down balls. That is a great way to play. That's fine by me. Um, Amaria seems to want to like build up more. And to kind of my point here, complicated isn't always better. Like I don't really know what he wants to do in any given game, and I don't know if he knows what he wants to do. Like He's very unsure of himself. Uh, I don't remember which game it was, but there was a game where he had, like, a great opportunity on goal and then, like, cut it back a little too long. And you're like, oh, and then the moment's passed. And right now, in my opinion, I say this as somebody who believes that Amaria is, he was very talented, but he's not, I don't know what the problem is. He's not confident. I don't know if he's still shook. I don't know if he's still a little bit injured. But to me, it's Mender as the starting spot. And I don't know what it's going to take to kind of set Amaria back on the path, right? We haven't really seen... I mean, he scored nine goals last year. Mm-hmm. And in, in the in the time that he scored those, if you look at, like, the goals per 90, it's not terrible. Like, it, so I, I just don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's the way that, like, our offense has been running. Um, you know, it's not like we get our strikers a ton of opportunities but i mean Amaria has been a little bit wasteful with his the back heel flicks and the misplaced passes and the touches and it's like i don't know i don't know if he's trying to find his rhythm and i don't know what the cure to the ailment is yeah no i think i i think i'm with you i think in terms of who i think right now um 
is better. I think it. I think it's absolutely Mender. Um, again, I like. I like the way that he just goes. He doesn't overthink it. I think you mix that with the fact that Men- that that Amaria seems to be especially overthinking right now. Like every game, he has like three to four like weird little back heel, like trying to do something that just does not work at all. Um, whereas Mender seems to just be. You know, crash and burn, whatever. He's going in there to 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 make some the mess of whatever happens, and hopefully he gets the goal out of it. it. I think he's been a lot better, but I also think yeah, there's. I also think there's something going on with Amaria. His confidence seems to be shot. I. It sounds funny, but like, I I really do think like his haircut, like the the moppy hair, and like the lack of confidence seem to like have an overlap. He just when he came in and he was feeling sharp. He looked very like he had like his hair all done up and he had his eyebrow like, you know, a little slot in his eyebrow. And he like he just had like a swagger to him that I think Mm -hmm. reflects in your play. And right now he just he just looks like he is a shell of himself. Yeah, disheveled, not, you know, lacking confidence. Um, You see that, I think, in in some of his like even just something as simple as like passing, but also in, you know, taking shots perfect example here is mender had that great opportunity that pinged off the post amaria gets it and has just like it's not an open goal i mean there's people kind of in the way but like if you make a decent connection to this ball it's going in and he just scuffs it and it's like i yeah that's the that's the sign of a tense striker right there that you're just like really you know yeah but i mean i i don't know i feel bad judging either of them too harshly because if you look at our expected goals per match we are 24th in the league uh if you look at shots on target per match we are 29th which is last 2.2 shots on target per match if you look at big chances created per match we're 23rd in the league uh actually no that's actually big chances created total uh we're 23rd in the league if you look at what else did I pull up here? Uh, oh, nope. Um, so, like, we're not getting a lot of chances to them. And even with that, we've actually, goals per match, we're actually in 15th at 1.2. So, expected goals of 2.2, goals per match at 1.2. Like, that's pretty good. So, like, realistically, between the two of them, neither of them are doing terrible because if you're scoring half of your expected goals, that's, like, not bad stat at all but i just think something has to give because i don't think we're going to continue playing a two striker system and right now i think mender is kind of taking taking it but i also still part of me feels like Luis still has the higher ceiling because we've i, I want to say we've seen what he can do but how long do you keep saying that before you before it changes to like he had a really good run for a minute there, but realistically, he's more like this. I want to add to your stats, by the way, that Minnesota is second to last in progressive passing distance. So some of the stats that you listed, not to be a nitpicker, but like some of the stats could also be remedied by a better striker. You know, like you're saying expected goals were, were really low, right? But expected goals can also be driven by the striker. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. so you know, so I'm just saying... Progressive and we distance. have a listener question about that, so we'll we'll circle back to that a little bit more in depth okay. later. But yeah, for so sure, that's, second to last that's kind in, of the progressive distance. It's almost like the chicken and then, or the egg, right? Like, 
is it you're not getting a striker enough chances or is it that a better striker would create more chances and then here's the other here's the other ones that i would say is we are second to last in passes into the final third we are in the bottom five of uh passes into the penalty area and then we are also in the bottom six or seven for uh crosses into the penalty area Mm -hmm. so however the ball is getting pretty much all offensive stats were near the bottom yeah whether it's the striker or whatever we're not getting the ball in the danger zone Mm -hmm. there's no highway to the danger zone it's it's more like a (laughs) under uh, construction there's a pothole yes yeah it's spring road construction so let's roll that into uh sbj coming in so he signed with wolves in january of 2022 uh for 1.2 million euros he could never get uh then he went to grasshoppers because he had a hard time getting his work permit for germany or whatever not germany uh europe uh england wow not europe england thank you uh, so then he was at Grasshopper, which is one of their affiliated clubs. He had some like nagging injuries, um, some ankle stuff. It sounded like that kept him out of most of it. And now he came here only a year later, two years later, uh, for twice as much. We paid two point something for him. Um, still a lot to be seen, right? He is young, but to start. Do you expect him to earn a starting spot in this month? In the month of, what is it, April? Do you expect him to earn a starting spot by the end of April? Then we'll talk about how that, what that means for the starting 11. Yes. You do? Yep. I, I don't know. If I'm asking myself just bit not, not going to the next question of where does that, what does that mean for the starting 11, I say yes. But then I jump ahead and say, so what is our starting eleven then? And I mean, the I guy's really nickname, the guy's nickname is the Korean Mbappe. So like, right? That's I mean, a guy sure. you, that's a guy you put into the lineup just for the basis of that nickname. Okay, but let's talk about where. Striker. Next question. For who? Amaria. Next question. Do you think? But he doesn't necessarily want to play a striker. He does more Says, of like right wing or. Heath says Heath said, "I do not see him as a nine. I see him as either a white right wing, something under the striker, or in a two striker system." I think I'm pretty sure he said something around those that in that press conference or at some point around. Yeah, that. so so Mender would be the forward striker, and he would be the deep lying striker. Okay, so Mender for or uh, SBJ. So we would be for, in a, 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 a Maria in, in our Maria. four four two. Yep. And then Lude stays at the 10? Well, no, because it'd be a 4-4-2. So it'd probably be Lude and Trey. Uh, but now you got... Uh, uh, yeah. No. No, I'm wrong. Right. You're right. So you can't You're have, right. I'm wrong. Because the only reason we're doing a two-striker system is because Lude's been gone. So if you move to the two-striker system, you have to get rid of your 10. In which case, maybe you take Bongi off and you say that Lude is the better right winger than Bongi. But it sure doesn't seem like that's the way we're trending. Oof, I don't know. I mean, but I could see that, though. I could see us making Bongi like a 60-minute sub and then shifting around some pieces because I'm sure we'll keep loot on the field. You, you can't know, take loot off the field, I feel like. There's no way. 
We've said it for years on this podcast. You just don't sub loot off. You just don't do it. And I don't think Franco loses his spot. No, not not in a significant way. Like he and might I, be a eighty minute sub off. Right. And I don't. I mean, it feels weird to not have either of your DP strikers on the field. But that's where we're at. I think. I think a little bit. I think neither of them are true DPs, and Mender, no disrespect, like hasn't really created a ton. If SBJ comes in and just balls out, uh, he's my nine. And I know Heath said he probably yeah, would be I mean, that's the solo a big, nine. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah I don't okay, know. I don't sure, know. If, if he comes in and starts scoring you know, two goals a game, sure, whatever. But he, we also have to be realistic. I mean, he's what, 20? He's, he's a U22 initiative, so he's like 20, or 20 years old, something like that. So I think we have to be realistic about what we can actually expect from him and when. 40 goals. 40 goals. Perfect. 40. Yeah, during the press conference, uh, so someone asked him what his expectation for the year was, and before he could answer, Heath jumped in and said, 25 goals. Which I wonder if, do you think that, um, that Amaria can laugh at that? I don't know. I think I think it's, it's one of those people kind of um, underestimate this league. And I think Amaria came in thinking this league was going to be, you know, he had, he had had, what, like 19 goals at his previous club. And I think, not that he thought like MLS would be worse, but I think he's like, oh, I'm going to be playing with some ballers. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. And I think maybe he can laugh at that, but also maybe it's still a mark for him that like he thinks he's somebody who can do that. And I, and I hope he keeps that as a goal, but I don't know. It, it is interesting. I, I saw that because I saw that clip and I saw that as Heath kind of protecting Sangbin John from Jung mm-hmm. from um, his own expectations, right? Yeah. Make a little joke out of it, deflect. Don't, don't put a goal to anybody besides yourself and your coach and your team. Like, cause the second that goes out to the world, you know, I know we all love to joke, but like people always bring up the 25 goal thing. And then now it's like, you know, is it weird for Amaria? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, again, he, he hasn't really done anything. SBJ. I mean, obviously he did something to make wolves want to hire, want, want to sign him. But since then he hasn't done anything. So we should definitely be tamping our expectations, not only about what impact he can make, but when he realistically would make that. Um, I just looked him up, transfer market. He is 21, um, and they actually do list his main position as center forward. Um, I thought I remember Heath saying he didn't see him as a nine, um, but maybe maybe that's not true. It's so not, that sounds right to me. It'll be interesting, or maybe that, he said maybe not exclusively a nine. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he works himself in if he works himself in. The thing that we're not talking about in all of this is still no Reynoso. Um, at this point, whatever, well, six, seven weeks into the season, um, in, ML- in MLS 360, um, Caitlin, Kyle, uh, the, the Harrison Heath's wife, um, Kaylin, Kaylin Kyle. Uh, she mentioned that the players said that they're kind of getting annoyed with people asking about where he's at because they feel like they have what they need to get the job done. I want to ask you first, 
Do you think Reynoso ever endeared himself to this fan base? Yes. You do. What do you, I mean, what do you, it, it, the way that you sound surprised makes me feel like you're Alex isming the the word endear. Like, what do you what do you mean? I mean, do you think that the fans of Minnesota United liked Reynoso beyond just his abilities? I feel like I people think... got over him surprisingly quickly. And maybe yeah. that, I guess that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at here is I think people got over him surprisingly quickly. And maybe that's the fact that we're off to a career best start, which actually I was surprised at how well we did last year seeing the comparison. I think we had like eight points through this point and now we have 11 points. I thought we were worse last year. Um, but I think I'm surprised at how quickly we kind of moved on from it versus someone like, you know, obviously like Christian Ramirez or Miguel Ibarra or Jerome T.A. Son or uh, other cult heroes who have left. Well, here's the here's the the big difference of Ray from those guys is with you know maybe brief uh, Instagram story appearances with Patrick Weah aside, you know Reynoso never really popped up out and about or did a ton of like interviews or he never really had an off field presence. Mm-hmm. And the only off field presence that we have to go by is the allegations of the the pistol whip situation right Right. and whether or not that's true i have my opinions you have your opinions but like whether or not that's true it's not okay so that's not great um and then you have his moments of magic on the field but then occasional sulky moments when he gets frustrated which if you're a very talented player whose teammates might be dropping the ball you know it's understandable but again it all plays into the narrative so he's not showing up doing fun little, you know, social media appearances. And he's not really, you know, Christian Ramirez was on the field next to fans constantly, especially in those NASL mm-hmm. days where he's, yeah, he's probably within our example. reach. Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, but that's the point is you have that personal connection. People could, people literally talked to him and that's not realistic as much in the uh, MLS days, but there's still like, you know, even Metonier went out and has done a ton. I shouldn't say even, but Metonier did a ton of like soccer camps for kids. And ha- like he's even injured, he's still been out and about in Minnesota. And so it's like, did he endear himself as like a personality? I, I would say then no, he did not. He was a high talent for us. Mm-hmm. I still think, my personal opinion, these athletes, it's not their job to, you know, be the buddy-buddy of fans necessarily. Like, don't be a jerk, but, like, if you want to show up, do a great job on the field, and then you'd like to go home and have your private life, I respect that. You don't have to be a, you know, song and dance kind of guy all the time, is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, if we talk about Ray Moore, I'm going to have to get another beer. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, well, we're going to talk about Ray Moore. So no. I, I agree. I don't necessarily – that. yeah, you said a lot there, and I think I agree with all of it. You know, No, I don't think he did. D- is, is that his job too? No, I guess not. Um, but he still could have well, done Well, okay, let's job. dive in. You, you say, I guess not. So it sounds like you almost feel like maybe he should, though. Well, I think to your point, there's what, yeah, how do you define it, right? Yeah, is it his job to walk around and shake everyone's hand after a game? No, absolutely not. I think there are things he could have done to show 
his appreciation more for the fan base. And I think that there are things that he did on the field, his behavior that gave everyone a glimpse into the type of person he was sounds too mean almost. But we all, I mean, yeah, we all understood the type of person that he was in that he's a very good talent that basically ran himself. It felt like Boca knew who he was and wasn't really interested in going down that path anymore. We got him. It worked well for a few seasons, but there were always times where he looked to still be immature, selfish, again, feels harsh, um, maybe just in his own head too much. It's like those things. And now eventually that luck kind of officially ran out where he just won't come home. And I think that in the back of all of Minnesota supporters fans' mind, we all kind of knew that. And I think that's why it's not a bigger deal that he's not here. I think I think if we could truly, like, again, like if that wasn't there, even though we're playing well, we would still be talking about it. And I, and not even still, like again, now we're at six, and I think I had, I kind of formulated this thought the last time we recorded, and it was just after week one, or I guess the first game. And I think at that point, especially, it felt like we'd already kind of just moved on. Like people were just like, whatever, that was always kind of right. Like we knew that he, that was always a possibility. Every time he went home, we heard something crazy that he did. And like we always kind of expected one of those years he just wouldn't come back. And apparently this is the year. So like, all right. And I just I just think that there's something there that says something bigger, you know? Yeah, I mean I don't I don't disagree. I think to me what's more important than maybe this is controversial, but what's more important than how you treat the fans to me is how you treat your teammates. Yes. And so 100%. if like, if, if he doesn't want to do, and I, I keep interrupting myself, but this might be a hot take. Uh, if he doesn't want to do the, like, thank you clap to the fans, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I think people who get mad, by the way, if you're offended by this good, <laughs> I think people who get mad about, Oh, the player didn't walk over and clap in my direction. Oh, give me a fucking break. Sorry for the hard F, but it is the dumbest thing. They don't owe you that. They they played. They played. Oh, they should thank us. No, you paid to get in the door to watch them. That's great. They don't owe you this, like, rudimentary clap. And, and let's just pretend they don't mean it, and they're doing it, so you just love symbolic gestures, don't you? Which I could go on that tangent, too, couldn't I? But I think... If he doesn't really care to, like, do the song and dance, whatever. If he's a jerk to his teammates, and a lot of speculation has been made about that. Mm -hmm. Speculation, Mm -hmm. I will say. Let me jump in. There was Um, a quote by Franco saying, someone asked him if they've talked to Ray, and he said, I haven't talked to him. That's the coaching staff's job. But someone needs to make a decision soon, or something like that. So... He was even talking to Franco Fragapani, who, you know, his is... Is an Argentinian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so continue. So, I mean, that's all, right? It it seems like maybe it was not a great locker room with him in it. And so that is more important to me. Um, I want a a team who plays well together. And you see these videos coming out recently of, like, the guys are having fun together. Like, they're really bonding together. They're having a great time even if they're not fluent in each other's languages, they're they're hanging out, they're spending time, it looks like. Um, and that's what you want to see, right? That's a good team, that's a good teammate, and the people who are important are the ones 
in that locker room. Yeah. Okay, so let, we have a question about this. Calvin Z says, I can't stop thinking about what would happen if to this team if Ray were to return. I'll hang up and listen. So you're the GM. You're Adrian Heath, whatever you want to be. Reynoso calls tomorrow and says, you know what? I will come back. And again, we should say we still – we're still we, – at this point, you and I are just assuming that it is a personal choice. At the three in the during the three sixty interview or the post game interview, it sounded like Adrian Heath was like emotional when talking about Ray. So maybe there is still something bigger going on that we don't know. But if you're the GM, he calls tomorrow and says, I'm ready to come back. What's your reaction to that? Or what things would you need to be thinking about before you let him in? Are you nothing but anything? Do you just say, Yep, we got the spot for you ready, still warm? Where where are you at with that question? Yeah, I think, so, I mean, we definitely breezed past the the most interesting part of it, which is, like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. I know, I, I, not that we need to speculate, because nobody literally knows, but it is so weird that, like, nothing has really leaked about the actual situation, and, like, like there's not even, like, rumors. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird. Not even out of, like... You know, because sometimes the Argentinian League's reporters will, like, be like, oh, Reynoso was spotted yeah. or something. Nothing. It's just super weird. Like, I don't know if he's just sitting at home all day or whatever. But anyways, so he calls, says, GM Grant, I'd like to come back. I'd say what you need to do, first and foremost, is you go to the locker room. You, number one, apologize to your teammates. You explain depending on the level of privacy of the scenario, you explain as much of the scenario as you can, you beg their forgiveness, and then you walk out of that locker room, and they get to take a vote on if they want you back, right? I, as a coach or a GM, I'd like to have you back if the team wants it, but to me, there's no player bigger than the Crest, Mm -hmm. period, right? Reynoso is is a fantastic talent, but I would rather build around a team that plays for each other than one dude who, hypothetically, I'm not trying to excuse him of this, but a dude who just wants to be the solo show. Right. Yeah, everything we're saying here could be completely rendered useless if we found out it was something more serious than we're assuming it was. So, yes. Yeah, so, so, but, but so he has to, he, he apologizes, he explains, begs their forgiveness, leaves the room, they get to discuss it. They can ask him questions if they want, but they get to discuss it. And then there's a conversation about if if they vote that, yes, we want you back on the team. I think the team also gets to set, you know, with guidance, of course, parameters of what they want to see, right? Like, not hazing, but like, you need to be putting in all the work mm-hmm. at every practice, at every game, like this has to be your best season yet and it has to be your hardest working season yet to show why you deserve to be back like you earn the spot back just like you would be a minnesota united two player almost yeah yeah i agree with i agree with that it's super hard first off super hard to answer not knowing right we don't know if it is truly something awful that happened to him and he just you know he is dealing with it and trying to figure out you know, get his get his life in order to decide what comes next or whatever, something terrible, then obviously. But at the same time, like, so even if it is that, I even if that is true, I still don't know how you necessarily remedy the situation at this point, right? Like, to your point, like, you have to come back and make sure your teammates understand why you were gone to a level that you feel comfortable sharing with them. 
and then you have to like earn your spot back because it's been people here like yes while that's really sad that whatever again assuming that there's something not just him being an asshole like that's really sad that happened to you but like everyone has lives everyone would like to be back in their home t- country with their families and we're all here doing the job so you still even if that is the case you still have to figure out how to remedy that situation and then whatever if all that goes well at this point you still have to have some type of explanation to the fans or at least enough of an explanation to make them okay with not more of an explanation. And I don't know, I honestly don't know how they would pull that off. If Ray showed up this weekend and Austin was playing, you know, in the starting 11, whatever, I don't know what they say to the fans to make them feel okay with him being back, to not feel betrayed by what he did, to not feel like they can never forgive him you would have to give them something that says, listen, we can't tell you why, but just trust us that we aren't mad at him. And I think maybe that maybe maybe that comes from like Boxall or someone, and maybe that helps, but it's going to be a very hard situation to remedy, especially if no one is willing to talk about it. So I want to ask you a question. If, let's say it's a, a figure who is well-respected, if Boxall were to come out and say, Ray met with us, he talked to us, we understand the situation, we're not mad about it, you know, we're frustrated, but he's back and we're glad to have him back. Do you accept it? 100%. Yeah. I think I that's the you only Cause you're, thing Because you're a reasonable person. Yeah. That's the only thing person. that matters. Whatever, whatever the, the teammates think of him is the only thing that matters to me. Because we don't know and we're never going to know. Not only are we never going to know the facts that went on, but like, as non-professional athletes, like the locker room camaraderie is something that none of us will ever fully grasp. And if they're okay with it, whatever the rules of that area are, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're wrong about it. So if they Mm -hmm. say, yep, whatever it was, it's none of your business, but trust us, we're fine with it. We're excited to have him back and we're ready to move on. Great. I will never bring it up again. You know, that's my standpoint. I think people always want to talk about like their paychecks, but athletes have a, such a different job than than we do and i know it sounds obvious but like people want to pretend that like yeah you just show up on the field and just play hard work hard do your job uh you know score a bunch of goals whatever and it's like the can you imagine alex y- you go to work and every day there's nineteen thousand people staring at you watching highlight reels of the emails that you sent <laughs> they're 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 making TikTok clips of your worst fails. Yep. They're they're memeing about you every time you do anything at work. Every single time. It's like again, not to excuse them, but like you have to understand there's just a different mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And and for somebody who may want to be more private, I respect that. I understand it. I think the fans, you know, we want an explanation, but if they were to say, if the, if the team understands it and they get it, that's fine. Right. The scrutiny is so high. And it's like, truthfully, I'm a nosy person. I want to know, but also it's not my business, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, well, okay. So all that aside, where, what did the lineup look like if he does come back? Again, we don't know what SPJ is going to be, so let's not even let's not even factor him in, because let's just take him out. Either way, we're still at a point where we have an odd number of people, and someone has to go out. 
Actually, technically, if he came back, we would have an even number of people. Well, okay. Because it'd be 12. Just don't, okay? Just don't. Yeah, Just tell yeah. me who who gets the boot. Is it is it Bongi? Reynoso. He's on the bench. To That's start. true. That's true. So, how? I mean, I'm, realistically, how long would you be able to... If, if he came back and was performing at a level at which we have become, we've grown across, accustomed to him playing, how long could you could you kind of make that point before everyone was like, okay, let's also just put the best player on the team on the field, please. Yeah, I no. think it would be like, I think it'd be like a three game thing, probably. Also, can you imagine Reynoso as a super sub? Like just to well, come the thing, on. It, it would be with so like ridiculous. Minutes. I mean, even, even if, even like the most angry fan at a certain point, be like, well, okay, this is kind of silly. Like we're losing games because we're trying to prove a point. You know, at what point, that again well it, it would we're be, not losing just, games without him so. that's true that's true uh you know but to calvin's to calvin's question like what would happen to this team like we just truly have no idea what that would do we've obviously have got this new group mentality where everyone's working a little harder and our attack while we're not scoring a lot of goals at least in the offensive third we're not just like trying to push the ball into reynoso and i think not having reynoso has has pushed heath into having to make better decisions and i just don't know what happens if he comes back maybe it's not even worth speculating because we just honestly can't even come close to answering it with any type of even remote accuracy yeah i don't think uh i don't think we have to really dial into it it is what it is and i think to to the point of the guys who were being questioned like they've worked hard enough to deserve that this is not a constant conversation and so i think i don't know I'm just throwing this out there. I don't want to speak for you, but maybe you and I are just going to be the people who don't bring it up constantly, right? It's weird, but it, yeah, the guys there's on, so the guys many variables. Field, the one that matter, yeah, yeah. There's so many variables. We have no idea. We don't know how they feel if he comes back. We don't know what he plays like when he comes back. We don't know what SPJ plays like. We don't know. This just it doesn't make sense to even try and go into, but it would be crazy. It will be yeah. crazy. With that said, I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. Anything specific you want to talk about the San Jose, the St. Louis City game? No, except thank God we've got Target as our sponsor and not Purina Dog Chow. <laughs> or as Alex pedantically reminded me, uh, they also make cat food. That great impression of me, and they do also make cat food, so I don't know why you're making fun of me about that. No, if I was talking like Alex, this is what I'd be talking like. That was not a good Alex impression. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And... There we go. That's better. Uh, what do you think happens with, with St. That, Louis? We are underway. What do you think happens now with them after this first loss? They had not faced any adversity throughout the year. What do you think? Do you think they're gonna think they're gonna bounce back, or think they're gonna kind of spiral? No, I mean the 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 formula to beating St. Louis has been discovered. Don't pass to their striker directly in front of the goal and you'll win yeah Yeah. i mean it's literally that obvious and uh i only half joke like (laughs) they had what like three goals off of like insane i think literally every game they had basically a turnover to like someone who was directly like a back pass directly to someone um so yeah don't don't do that they're they're a solid team i think it's very impressive that they uh you know, people thought they had a terrible roster build. I was one of them. And all of a sudden, they're really good. I did not know that they had Roman Berkey, 
who is a former Dortmund goalkeeper. Um, mm. it, good goalkeeper, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that solves a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think St. Louis will continue to be a very good team throughout the season. But I don't, I never, just like I don't think we are in the top three of the league the whole league right now i don't think they're top three either no. really it, what do you think they just, finish what do you think they finish in the western in like the supporters west west i think uh third in the west do you think so you do think they're top three it, in the league not in the league. oh okay. in the, yeah, okay. yeah so not top three for the supporters shield but top three in the west sure yeah i think they're gonna be eighth or ninth honestly i think I, I think Whoa, they, I, that's I don't want to take I don't mean to take anything away from them, but like I don't think that they first off I think their their first wins I think people took them lightly and you can't do that. They are they are a good team. But I think yep. I think now they're not only now they have to deal with adversity, they you know, they lost their first game and that's we'll see how they can pull themselves out of that. But I think I think people will figure out a blueprint for them and once they do, I don't necessarily know that there's a lot that they'll be able to do about that to change. And history has shown that high-pressing teams start the season hot, and then as other teams get their system figured out a little bit better, they start to drop. So, not taking anything away from them. Obviously, they set a record, but I think, I think overall they're regressed to kind of where they probably should be, um, which I think is probably a low-level playoff team. But which is still better than I thought they were going to be. So, still credit to them. On a similar note, I think Chad's question. Uh, applies here, which goes along that same trail, which is, are we, we being Minnesota United, mm-hmm. are we actually a good team or do have j- just got lucky so far? Chad, you structured that sentence. My brain no, was great. sense of it. Are That's we actually good, a good like team that. or just got lucky yeah. so far? That's great. Um, I think both. I think all three things are true. Um, we're not a good, we're not a particularly good team. Knowing that we structured ourselves in a way that allow us to play well, given our gaps in, uh, talent or position. And we got a little lucky. Um, I kind of want to, I kind of want to, I feel like we should, we should, we really should wrap this in with, um, Blake's question. And he says, is this current run of great results uh, sustainable with how awful our underlying numbers are? Question mark. Who, where on the pitch needs to pick it up most if uh, so we don't quickly revert back to the mean? So kind of to that same point we're talking about, you know, we're talking about St. Louis reverting back to kind of the mean, talking about whether or not this is sustainable. I think it's kind of the same thing that Chad's asking, like already a good team. But I think the thing I want to call out is that how given how awful our underlying numbers are. And I don't know exactly what underlying numbers Blake is talking about. Um, he's a pretty smart guy, so I, I don't think he'd be... Probably like low XG and low... But I think you have to... So, but I think that's where I kind of struggle with this. And I've heard a couple other podcasts talking about how like our numbers are bad. And when, even when you look through our ranking of where we rank on things, it's easy to say, oh, we're second to last. But like, I feel like that's just... They're not the things that we're trying to do. We're going into games saying we're going to sit back. If you look at where Franco and Bongi play, I think that's very evident. 
if you look at kind of where you see them on the field the most, that we are not trying to keep the ball. Our, our, our possession numbers are not low. We're not trying to have possession. And same thing with a lot of those numbers. So we're trying to sit back. We're, I guess not. We're, we're happy to sit back, let the other team have kind of meaningless possession. If you look at like our big threats give, or like expected big opportunities or whatever the number is around like dangerous chances created by their team, they're very low. People take a lot of shots outside the 18. And then as soon as they fall asleep for a minute or we get a free kick opportunity or a corner kick, we're going to capitalize on that. And so far, mm-hmm. that's been working, which you can't say isn't a little lucky. And also there's goals like against – or there's games, I think, like Vancouver, the one where like it bounced off the crossbar in like the first minute. So like some of that stuff has gone our way, but we have stuck to this game plan of we're going to sit back, we're going to wait for you to either make a mistake or one opportunity, we're going to capitalize on that, and hopefully that's enough. And I think in the Vancouver game, like we already talked about, you can say like, oh, like we didn't get, we got unlucky or the time was too long. But like, that's realistically like a gamble we've been making all year. In the Vancouver game, it caught up with us in the last second. In the St. Louis City game, it didn't. In the whatever other games, it didn't. Like, that's kind of just what it is. And I think that's when we talk about this season, I think probably like the pre, the last episode before the season started, I think I made a point that like, I could see us being that kind of like, 2022 Colorado Rapids team that was like not particularly impressive but like they didn't lose very often and like they won some one nothing or two ones and they tied a lot and like at the end of the year they were like read it by the second or third so all those things I think make me say like we are are we actually a good team no like no but that's why we're playing this way is that sustainable? No. I eventually the cream rises to the top, and like, like we saw with that Colorado team, the end of the the end of the year, first in the West, and they lost right away because, realistically, come playoff time, when you're playing good teams who are having their best players on the field, like, more often than not, you're probably not going to win that game. So, I think we're a good team. Um, we're eighth in the power rankings right now, which I think feels probably a little high. Uh, Doyle said we're a third-tier team, which I honestly think sounds kind of accurate. Um, so all those things mixed together, I think they're all kind of true. Um, I stopped what do you think? I stopped listening to Doyle forever ago. I, I think in a vacuum, his assessment and your comments are correct. It just annoys me because you know if you switched these jerseys with LAFC jerseys and the games went the exact same way, they'd be talking about how LAFC finds a way to win without their star player no matter what. They always find a way to to eke out points, blah, blah, blah. If it was a Seattle team that had the same players, same results, exact same commentary, right? Mm -hmm. So it annoys me a little bit because, yeah, I think it is deserved. I just think sometimes when, like, Seattle, LA, blah, 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 blah. Some of the premier legacy teams or or up-and-coming teams for LAFC do the same kind of, like, ugly win. It's just like, oh, they always find a way to win, and they put them at the second spot or whatever. Are we a good team? I think we're a good team. We're not a great team. That's actually, that's a better way to say it, yes. I I think third tier is very fair. I think eighth in the power rankings is high. I think we're probably, like, tenth. And... I also think, to your point, 
in your comment with Blake's question, like, yeah, I don't, I think our goals do need to go up, but I think everything else is, I mean, we've been playing very well defensively. We've been absorbing a lot of pressure very well with new people on the back line. Um, and I think if we can get some goals, even if it's with low possession, because again, possession, it only means something if you know how a team wants to play, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So if we're a possession-based team and we have 40%, yeah, that sucks. But if we're a, you know, absorb and counter team, 40%, like, who cares? Who cares what the number is? It's the score at the end of the game. Yeah. So, we are I in think... third place in goals against per match at point oh six and three total goals conceded through whatever it is, five matches now. So if we can start scoring goals, and I guess to to Blake's second question, what position needs to, I lost it here, what position needs to step up the most, something like that, um, we have to start scoring goals. And I don't, and I, again, going back to our kind of big chances created, expected, you know, possession, all that, I don't necessarily know that it's as simple as they need to start playing better as it is we need to, either have someone step up in such a way that we feel more confident playing a different type of soccer or SBJ Ray needs to come back. We need to send someone new to make us feel comfortable playing a different type of soccer so we can score more goals. Cause right now I don't think anyone would say, obviously this isn't sustainable cause we haven't lost any matches, but I don't think this, this overall plan will lead to success in a way that gets us anything other than a high playoff spot and probably an early exit. And I think, expectations are important because realistically the team Ray was just coming off a you know contract signing and the team was not expecting to lose him which you can make the argument for better or for worse like the team might be better as a whole potentially without him but like we're learning a brand new way of playing Mm -hmm. and we might want and try to sign different players now that he's not here mm-hmm. or or play players in a different way like we literally went from okay we're in a 4-2-3-1 raise the 10 it all cycles through ray there's a very specific way of playing and then all of a sudden right before the season it's just yeah um he's gone so mm-hmm. now what you know um yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i mean defensively again we're we're very good um, we haven't given up more than one goal a game. Um, and where does that where does that put you with Heath? Has that changed? The, has that changed your mind? I know that you and I have always towed a, a fine line with Heath. Are you Heath in Heath out? Has that I changed? I forget what our last comments were on him, but I think we had had said that like he's doing an all right job last time. Um. I think I I go back to my initial. I'm kind of Heath indifferent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's fine. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I think right now what you have is structure, and and he has he's done the one thing that we I think we've both asked him to do in the past, which is reevaluate your game time management tactics, and mm-hmm. so he has. And that's great. And I think that has partially been why he's been doing so well, is he's been a little less stubborn on some of these things. So 
I think, yeah. I, I, yeah. No, yeah, no I, criticisms here. I think my my last you know last season was I I like Heath. I want him to be the guy. I'm worried he's not the guy. I think he's good at taking okay players and making them good. I don't think he's good at taking good players and making them great. I think that's where I left off. I think I've been proven wrong on that most part. I do think part of his increased tactical proficiency or whatever you want to call it this year, I think that he just he really struggles with like high level players. I think having Ray on the field just puts some type of block in his brain that he just can't think past it. And the direction ends up being just get the ball to Ray. And without Mm -hmm. that, he's been forced to go back and just kind of use the skills that he has somewhere in there. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's true, but either way, uh, I think he's done a very good job this year and I'm glad because I always really liked Heath. Yeah. Um, Can I throw a, look a fun, fun fact real quick? I love fun facts. Don't look at the stats. Just tell me what you think. Who do you think has played the most minutes for us so far this season? This season? Yep. Don't don't. Franco Fragapane. Nope, wrong. Um, Mickey Tapias. Yeah. Yeah. He's the only player on the team to have played all 90 minutes of all five games. Wow. That was surprising to me. He's been great. Still, and I think this last game was probably his best game, I think. Uh, Still a little shaky sometimes on the ball. He does this thing where he'll have it, and he'll have a bunch of space, but he'll just, like, wind up and take a big boot, like almost like like an indirect kick or something. Like, it's very Mm -hmm. strange. Uh, he, He does not seem super comfortable, like, dribbling up the field with the ball. Or maybe he just feels he doesn't need to. He'd rather just ping it from there. But he does that at least once a game still. But overall, Mickey Tapias has been fantastic, I think. Yeah, and Debassi's back at training. As of today, we heard that he was on the sideline doing some light drills. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. I think I would love to have him back. Now, when he comes back, who gets the spot at center back? <sighs> I don't know. Do we move to like a three-back system? Ooh, I got a controversial opinion. Boxall goes. Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of think that might be the other thing. Yeah. But I think you would work Debassi in very slowly. Right. And so... We have no idea what version of Debassi will come back, you know, if at all. True. Also, Matt Nair is still in Minnesota. You think he ever... Think he's here still, hoping that once he's healthy, he comes back? Say that one more time. Debassi is still in Minnesota. Do you think he's still here hoping that when he's healthy, he could find himself a spot? I think so. Yeah, that's interesting too. You, or do you mean Metonier? Oh, sorry, Metonier, yeah. yeah. I could tell I could tell you weren't talking about Debassi, yeah, yeah, that's why yeah, it took yeah, me yeah. a sorry, while. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting to think how far we are from Metonier and Chase Gasper as our fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's let's keep moving the questions along because I uh, I am hungry. I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's 9:30 at night. We've been recording for 87 minutes at this point. I haven't eaten. So dinner. what else do we got? Let's see. We already answered. Don't say Calvin. I never sacrificed nothing for you guys. Yep. E grade A says I clicked away from it. Now <laughs> is everyone working a lot harder without Ray now? Because it kind of seems like it. Besides Boggy, he always busts up. He always busts his butt. I was gonna say ass. Uh, is everyone working a lot harder now without Ray? Um, 
to me, it's not noticeably different. And I don't know if I would, you know, if I'm feeling the implication of what E grade A, which I think his name is Eric. I think your name's Eric, right? I shouldn't like out your name, but I think you said it on your Twitter, so that's fine. Uh, I think it, it's just the game plan. Like, I think we just have to play more of a pressing style, and then when we are, you know, bunkering for so long, then when we counter, you're just you're sprinting. Like it's it's a mm -hmm. full sprint. Versus Reynoso is more of a constant back and forth movement cycled around you know the one talisman on the field so i think you could make the argument that the locker room vibes are better and i i'm not disagreeing with that but i also think it's just kind of the way that we're playing now that we have to press or we bunker mm -hmm. when it's in the you know our final third so i don't know i maybe what do you think yeah i think work harder might be the wrong word I think everyone understands their position a lot better now. Mm -hmm. I think that the direction is clearer, both defensively and offensively. And I think that has done a lot for a lot of people. Um, and there's less again, of like, there's less of like, oh, we'll get it to Ray and then he'll do something. It's like, we right. all have to do something. We all have to get back. There's no one on the field that's not getting back. And when we get up, we're looking for open passes. But I also think the thing I don't want to get lost in all this is just what I thought to be true coming into the season is that we have a lot of people going into their second or third year, and that is a big bump that we see across the league with players. So I don't necessarily think we should put this all on Ray because it would be interesting to see if he was in the mix how much that would still be true just given the fact that you know Franco, Bongi, all those guys are, are now in their second and third years. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Dan O has a three-part question. When when the thirtieth MLS team is added, would you support <laughs> splitting into two leagues with a pro rel between them? Would I support it? Um, yes and no. I mean, here's the thing. I I am pro pro rel. I love the concept of it. But I also think it makes sense more so when it's just really organic. Mm. And I don't think it's necessary for a league's health. Um, I think, and I, here I am climbing up on my soapbox here. I think one of the dumbest things that I hear like the rabid pro-rel um, people say is that, oh, there's nothing to play for if you're at the bottom of the, the league. It's just like blah, blah, blah. You lose fans. The more your team sucks, like people just yeah. Go to a out, Chicago and game and tell them that, like, yeah, like there you are playing for something. You're playing for the interest and the eyeballs. And when teams start doing really well, people start watching, right? And you cannot tell me like every. I do. I do not believe anyone on social media who tells me that like, oh wow, it's so interesting that uh, Burnsley and fucking Shadis Buyer. Are, are fighting to, to stay up. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You do not watch those games. You don't. I promise you, you don't. It's the ugliest soccer. They're all desperate to win, right? And they don't play good, fun, free-flowing soccer. They play, like, really ugly, kick it and hope you can get a penalty-in-the-box kind of soccer. Mm -hmm. um, and then, not to mention, I'm going to use, you know, the EPL as an example, 
you have the massive glut of mid-tier teams that are always kind of okay or they're kind of bad but they are never good enough to win the league and they're never really bad enough to go down and oh this is the year that they'll get european competition like i know people tell me all the time oh for those teams it's it's the the you know climb up the points ladder that's the important thing save it okay pro rel is interesting it's great and i think it's a very neat way for lower league teams to prove themselves and improve but it the way that the modern game is played nowadays and the way that the money is already flowing you will never see you will never see a championship team in england go up to the premier league and win the premier league ever period never ever 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 the end yeah so that was a long rabbit trail yep. from Dan's that's question. Not, what what I support it? What what I would I support it? Um, that's yeah, fine. I wouldn't be against it, yeah. but I just don't see why we need it. <clears throat> I think people get hyper focused on it, and they it's like the grass is always greener. They think it's going to be this great thing, and it's like it has it has just as many drawbacks as our system does. Um, to your point, yeah, maybe like the the. The, the relegation battle is interesting for some and like for a couple weeks it is like like three games a year you're like oh now it's really coming down to it but they're not good teams and they're going to be back there next year and if they go down they're just going to crush that league and go back up again usually like it just doesn't seem that interesting to me and i think there's a lot of things in arley you could look at instead and be like oh that's interesting you know why are people not interested in the 10th and 9th team trying to get into the playoff picture but they're interested in the 20th mm-hmm. team trying to say like there's just things i think that so many soccer fans look across at europe and just envy when there's not really any need to do that um and it's okay it's okay that there's different structures set up like that's okay it's a different style of how you consume your sports i just think like one way is not automatically better than the other i don't think mls is automatically better than europe not in quality, but in structure. And I, I don't think that, you know, the European leagues and pro rel is necessarily better than the the MLS structure. It Either mm-hmm. one has their own merits and has their own demerits. Uh, demerits. Is one win in the last five games at Allianz concerning? Yeah. No, I think right now it's just a, a, a part of the way we play. It's just hard for us. Given our like playing style, we, we we play worse at Allianz. Well, just we have to try and go win the game at Allianz, and it doesn't really fit our style right now. We we much rather would just sit back and wait for the other team to kind of give us that opportunity, like you talked about. So I can't say it Fair. concerns me too much. Uh, all and right, then, last yeah. question: yep. Chicago deep dish or Emin hot dish? I do not like deep dish pizza at all. So yeah, it deep dish is so bad i just yeah. it's it's soggy pizza yeah so i guess hot it's dish i love a good hot dish i like a good like chicken noodle casserole uh chicken some noodles in there a little chicken noodles uh cream of chicken soup some breadcrumbs on top load that sucker up with salt and pepper when you plate it and it's it's pretty damn good okay but you there's a, you like it even without the salt and pepper right well yeah yeah, yeah. you can't just say like that's the, you can put salt and pepper on like anything and it's pretty good you know yeah, uh, that's fair. Um, 
what's right. your fa- what's your wait real quick real quick yeah. real quick what is your favorite just like little culinary hack um i just want to know because i feel like you. i think I like honestly my favorite thing is is like uh, uh you use especially when you're grilling like use way more seasoning than you think you should like use like 40 percent more seasoning than you think you should and that's i think when you go to wrestling like oh this is such a good steak it's like because when if you saw the amount of seasoning you put on at home, you'd be like, that's way too much. Yeah, I actually, did you see that? Was it a tweet? Because I saw something that was like professional chefs use like double the butter and double the salt that right. most people use in their recipes. Yeah. Um, my favorite, well, I guess I was thinking of something a little bit different. In college, I loved the uh, making ramen and then you threw a little bit of scrambled egg in there. Oh. And then it would cook in the ramen and so you'd have... Like this egg drop ramen, a uh, little protein, very on the cheap, so good. All right. Well, we are at 96 minutes, and my computer battery is going to leave it there. We will talk to you again, hopefully in a week. Life is busy right now, so who knows? Uh, but we're going to try keep it weekly, if not but weekly, bi-weekly. Anything else before we go, Grant? No, should be all for me, except the good old go room. Yeah.